0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. I am your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. All right, so this is a episode that I am airing on both this podcast and Why Is Everyone Yelling, which is my podcast for parents slash lifestyle podcast. Um, I don't know how else to call it, what else to call it, but um, today's episode is a bonus episode over here because I just thought it was so good and I know some of y'all aren't subscribed over on Why Is Everyone Yelling and I don't want you to miss it because I think it's relevant to All Have Another as well. Um, This episode is with Priscilla Tallman. She is a mental performance coach who trains athletes to have a healthy relationship with their sport, their teammates, and themselves. She played collegiate volleyball at the University of Georgia and went on to play professionally for the USA national team. She has a master's degree in clinical psychology. She has a great journal out, a 30-day champion's journal, as well as a 30-day return to play journal for athletes. It's a performance and mindset journal. And as a parent and athlete myself, I just found so much value in this conversation. Yes, it is a little bit heavy on the parenting questions and specifically with, you know, parenting kids who are in sports. There's a lot of pressure on kids and parents in today's world with kids, sports and leagues. And oh my gosh, it is just wild. it is the wild, wild west out there. It is insane. Um, And I try really hard to have a good balance with it in my own life, Uh, trying to teach my kids how to have a really good work ethic, but not to put too much pressure on them and to keep that fun. Peace being front and center. We hear that with athletes like Courtney DeWalter, Kira D'Amato, any of these really high achieving athletes will say that fun is front and center, obviously paired with really hard work. And I love what Priscilla has to say about these topics. One thing I took that I hadn't thought about is that fun looks different for everybody. And that's something to really consider when working with kids in sports and then for ourselves as well. Uh, so anyway, I hope you really liked this episode with Priscilla. I connected with her a lot and thought, this is too valuable not to put out on both episodes. Um, you will get more conversations like this though if you do listen to Why Is Everyone Yelling? Um, so go subscribe over there it is another podcast that I host. It's a weekly show. It comes out every Tuesday. Uh, it does have a heavy focus on parenting, but it's also just focused on like life as a almost 40 year old mom. So I just, I, it's a, it's a great podcast. I really enjoy it. And I think that if you like the style of this show, you will like the style of that show as well. Um, And if you're here for the running content and you don't want that, no big deal. I think that this episode specifically, though, um, in regards to mental performance in sport, uh, makes sense over here. So anyway, I hope you really like it. And I thank you for being here. Uh, This episode technically doesn't have a sponsor on it because I'm just dropping it as a bonus. But let me give a plug to Lagoon, which is the best pillow out there. I sleep on Lagoon pillows every night. They are customized for my specific needs you can fill out a two-minute quiz to get a customized pillow for you they send you the amount of filling that you need so that if you want less or more you can customize it even more Um, the owner of the brand is an endurance athlete himself a lifelong swimmer he just ran the leadville 50 miler and he is very passionate about helping athletes achieve their goals and one of those ways is through getting proper sleep and recovery so Um, go check them out. I mean, you cannot have a better investment than investing in good quality sleep. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay. Use the code Lindsay for 15% off your order. All right, friends, go subscribe to Why Is Everyone Yelling and go enjoy this episode with Priscilla Tallman. All right, friends. Well, today on the podcast, we have Priscilla Tallman on the show. Welcome to the show, Priscilla. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. On vacation, but I'm doing very good. <laughs> okay, how do you feel about this vacation or calls on vacation? I'm always conflicted when to take them, when to not. Um actually because we
1: scheduled so far in advance, I think that it ends up working out and we end up getting pretty busy, so it's a nice little uh grown-up conversation. <laughs> totally. In the midst of all the stuff we're we're up to, so yeah.
0: I totally understand that. I like, I go back and forth on stuff like this because when we're on vacation, I'm like, I can't do any work or anything, but a little like 45 minute like hit actually energizes me to go do the family stuff.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: How old are your kids?
1: Uh, So I have a 15 year old boy and a 12 year old girl. Okay. Who who are within earshot. I'm sure they're rolling their Uh eyes at me at this point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my kids have observed so many, um, conversations here and actually funny story one time, you know, those, um, forms, the preschool kids fill out that are like, what does your mom do for work? What's her favorite food? I don't know if it's because of what I do for work or because I actually just talk to my neighbors on the street and my friends all the time. But my four-year-old wrote talks to her friends. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) As what my job is. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know if that is witnessing this or that, but it's, it's a perfect description. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So you are a mindset and mental performance coach with an MS in clinical psychology. Can you tell us a little bit about your background?
1: Yes. So as early as I can really remember, um, I coming out of high school have had this passion to just help student athletes, athletes. Um, I knew, um, from playing, being an athlete myself, um, it kind of an introverted kid and a shy kid, I guess. Uh, but sports really opened me up. And, um, when I graduated high school, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get my degree in psychology. So I did that, went to the university of Georgia, played volleyball, excuse me, mountain air out here. It's okay. Um, uh, played volleyball at the university of Georgia. And so I got my degree in, in that. And then I actually went on to play, uh, professionally in Europe as well. Um, Switzerland for one year. And then I played um, a couple of tours. They, back then they didn't have like the U21, U23, like U19, uh, the way they do national team stuff now. So they just like picked college kids and we just toured with the some of the national team members. And so I went, went on one tour with them to China and Japan. And then I played on the um, U.S. Uh, team for World University Games, and that was also in Japan. And so again, kind of through this whole journey of being an athlete, I really was, um, you know, always, not really always the best player. Like it, it takes some effort to be good. Um, I wasn't the strongest player mentally, but I had a lot of grit and I had a lot of good work ethic. And so that carried me a long way. Um, and what ended up kind of being the the end of it was the, the mental game for me. I, I just wasn't able to stay in it longer. Um, probably could have had a couple more professional seasons, but... Um, ended up coming home. And then a few years after I came back to the U.S. and just was like, I'm just going to live here and and, and work, um, I decided to get my master's in clinical psychology. And that really opened up my mind like, wow, uh, this stuff and uh, work ethic and grit and resilience and all those cool things that we learn from sport, um, man, this, this would have been handy a few years ago. <laughs> so... Um, you know, I, I didn't go into it right away, uh, went into some private practice stuff with clinical psychology, which is not a lot of athletes, and uh, kind of found my way in after having children back into coaching. And I'm like, wow, like all the things I know and I get to coach these kids, I get to blend all of these things that I know that are really good for them. Uh, it's kind of where I kind of found my, my sweet spot as a coach.
0: Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, you know... All the athletes I've talked to over the years, a common theme with people who have done really big things is like their relationships with their coaches. And some some, you know, everybody has a relationship with their coach. Some are great. Some are okay, Some are not so great. What was your experience like? growing up? Well, I think that is what
1: drew me to this sort of work is that, um, I had some very good experiences. I, I, my college coach, I thought was amazing. Um, maybe for other athletes, it might not have been the right fit for them. He was very tough, mm. uh, very, um, you know, wanted us to be better and pushed us for me. That was a good fit. I loved it. Um, I didn't like a lot of fluff. My high school coach, same thing, loved her, but I've also known that, you know, people have said that wasn't a good fit for me. Um, my club coaches, again, it was that the culture was a little bit, probably not the best for me, uh, being a shy kid, uh, the, the way the coaching came about just kind of created a lot of shame, I think for mm-hmm. me. Um, and so again, I think seeing that kind of all the things as an adult, obviously as a kid, you just do what your coach tells you. Cause you don't, you don't know, like, you're like, Oh, I, I want to do this. This is fun. This is how you learn. This is how you get better. Um, and so as an adult now looking back, I think, wow, Okay not every coach is a good fit for every person. I might not be a good fit for some people and some people might like me, which is super cool. Um, but I try to do my best to really be a noticer of what's happening for each athlete. So again, I think that comes from the clinical side because we have to do so much reflecting and listening. When you're in the therapy room, you just have to watch a person. You're looking at their, um, you know, their mannerisms, the way they speak. Body language, any of those things, all this stuff comes together. And so, because I was trained in the clinical world, I'm able to see all those things in my athletes like, hey, what's, are you good? How's it, how's it going? Are you doing well today? Or hey, I noticed that you did this today. Um, Looks like you're having a really great week, but not just on the volleyball court, like in your life. What's going on? So, to me, that's sort of what I wished people had seen in me because I had a lot of things going on off the court that weren't awesome. And it would have been cool to say, hey, you're struggling today um, or you're not listening today. Let's run you more instead of that saying, hey, you're struggling today. You're not playing as well today. What are you doing? Okay? are you good? Yeah. Um, And again, you got to remember, I I come from like my kids call it. I come from the 19s. Yes. Yes. (laughs) There was a whole different level of coaching um, that I experienced that I think, I mean, I think it's still out there, but I think it's changed quite a bit.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. There are so many things that we just like, we, we can't even believe like happened then that like we could never go on now. Like there's this, um, there's this funny guy on on Instagram that he has this skit about the, um, the nurse at the school and she's like chomping gum and like, she's just like totally disregarding everything the kid says. And she's like, go back to class, go back to class. And I'm like, Oh, you could never do that now. Like it wouldn't be allowed, you know? No. um, also interesting to hear you talk about this how some coaches can be really good coaches but not the best fit for every kid and gosh as you're talking about it I'm thinking about my parenting style and I'm like oh my gosh that could mean that it could be really good for some of my kids but not all of my kids you know because we just have this certain way that we go about things and that's really challenging
1: yeah um again I think I think the biggest thing is is trying to notice in the beginning when they're little, like, you're just trying to keep them alive. You're trying to, like, survive. You're trying to get rest when you can get rest and eat good things. And, you know, you're you're so, like, I think overwhelmed with how much information is out there for healthy things and how to raise a child. Um, And so I think it's a little overwhelming. As you get older, um, it's easier to sort of, like, watch them and Mm -hmm. see them doing their things. Like, Mm -hmm. like, uh, I just stepped away from coaching after seven years, so I'm kind of in this new random space. And it's been really fun because I'm noticing things I never saw because I was busy doing other things. And I'm not saying it's bad. When they were little, it was so easy to just get them in the car. I coached beach volleyball, so they're like, get a bucket, get a couple shovels. They're in the corner. Mm-hmm. They're occup- they're so happy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm not sure they loved it at all times, but it was different. Now, I can't bring them with me. They don't want to come. and right. uh, You know? But I think it's different. So as I've been kind of in this new space just watching them, um, you know, my my son is into different things. Um, My daughter's into different things. And so the the way we parented them when they were little has changed based on us watching what they're into. Mm. Um, And, you know, when they're little, it's like, yeah, sign them up for everything. Flag football, soccer, volleyball, everything. Art, horseback, everything. So... As they're beginning to have more of a voice, we actually can say, "Hey, do you even like this? Do you want to be doing this?" And yeah. sometimes they don't. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the hard part because then we have to listen. Oh, they don't want to do this anymore.
0: Ugh. Dang it! I wanted them <laughs> I to do that. That was fun. I know. It's like my son just got a big haircut, and I didn't want him to get his haircut, but he was like, "I want to get a haircut though," and I'm like, "Fine, cut your beautiful yeah. locks off." Um, <laughs> Yeah, the other day I was having a really hard day with my kids and um, I just felt like, oh, I've screwed up. Like, where did I go wrong? And, you know, my oldest is 11 and one of my good friends, she's like, you, like, you're still going. Like, it's not over. And even though it feels really hard, like that's a really hopeful way to look at it. It's not done. So oh, whatever yeah. you did or didn't do that you're feeling guilty about, you can change and you can grow. And so I felt a lot of hope when she said that. Um, I want to get into something you mentioned earlier, which was work ethic. And I, every kid is so different. Every human is so different. Some humans are really motivated. There's motivated people and some are not. And I'm really fascinated in learning about like, how do I raise a kid with good work ethic? How much of that is just nurture versus nature, nature versus nurture?
1: yeah I think I think part of it um, and I'm a huge believer just because again um, the, the clinical psychology side just I just love so much of what they talk about with child development um, and not just the physical development but the social and emotional development of children I, lo- I just love that um, and some of that is d- it's developmental stages of of where they're at so you know when they're very focused on play and like not putting things away they're younger like that's not we can teach them some of those things hey like my kids all did Montessori so um they you know there's a very system to Montessori like putting your things out bringing everything out on this tray and then you go and put all your things back well they did it at school and they never did it at home and I was like <laughs> of course. what in the world is this ever going to transfer yeah um and some of it does and and a lot of it doesn't but I think it depends on when they get to the stage where they're like okay I'm going to take care of my personal space um, it's been crazy to watch my son. So um, first of all, he's, he started out in, uh, shoot, had to have been like little tiny soccer and then flag football and then little league, which we all loved, and then soccer again. Um, and now he's doing mountain biking mm-hmm. and all the other things like, hey, you should be dribbling your ball in the backyard or, hey, you should be practicing this. Or we got him all the stuff, the little tee stand that you can practice swinging your bat on um, and never, never wanted to be out there really mm-hmm. doing that by himself. Um, and so I'm like, we you know, my husband and I are like, is he ever going to care about anything? Like, does he, he's going to work yeah. hard for anything. Right. Um, and then hits the developmental stage of 14, 15 chooses something that he loves, which is mountain biking. And the work ethic is right there. Hmm. Right. And so it's almost like you think about a job that you love, you're going to work harder if it has all of those components. Like for me, and I probably even shouldn't be saying this out loud, but money isn't really my my the thing that makes me work hard. Mm-hmm. It's um, relationships, and as long as I have someone like sort of mentoring me and helping me go along, like I'll work, right? Um, and that's I think why sports worked so well for me is there was someone there to guide me and tell me how to progress. Um, and I also was in the backyard hitting volleyballs against the wall for hours, you know. So. Um, I think part of it is when you find that thing, attach that with the developmental stage the child is in or the kid, my teen, you know, for example, um, it happens. And I think we push them, we try to create something in a stage where it's not quite appropriate yet. And we think, oh, they're never, like for me watching, he's never going to, are you never going to care about something? Like what is going (laughs) on? Right? So
0: Yeah, and you can get into a comparison trap if you see someone else's kid like being really good at a sport and like loving it. And you're like, well, why isn't my kid doing that? Why doesn't he like that? I mean, it's sad to say, but it's true. And we also as parents have to be careful not to like push what we think they should want to do on them because we might have seen a glimpse of talent in soccer or basketball at a young age. And then when they're not showing interest, you're like, wait, but that was going to be your thing. But
1: it's not about us. Yeah. Well, and it's tough because, you know, you watch a kid. I had a parent consult. I don't know. This might be about six or seven months ago. And the dad was talking to me about his son. And he was talking about this. And he's not meeting his potential. He doesn't work hard. And he wants Mm -hmm. this. And I was like, how old is he? And he was eight. And I'm like, man, potential. Wow, here's that word at, you know. And again, you you love these parents for wanting the best for their kid. and, And especially if a kid is athletic really young. All you can see is this like, oh, wow, this is going to work out. This is going to be cool. Um, But they don't always love what they're in, even if they're talented, like even if they're
0: great athletes. Mm. A quick break here to let you know as you're gearing up for your fall training that I have 5K half marathon and marathon plans on my website, lindseyhine.com. Hiring a coach can be very expensive, though wonderful, and the this is an affordable way for you to get a solid training plan for your half marathon, your 5K, or your marathon. We have beginner, intermediate, and advanced plans, a detailed pace chart so that you can look at goals to hit, goal times to hit for workouts based on what you wanna hit for your time. In a race, I do say you run based on effort. You just use those times as a general guide that you can kind of see where you're at. Um, these are very detailed. They have pre and post run stretching in there. I highly recommend them. I created them myself along with my husband Glenn, who by the way took himself from a 350 marathon to a 249 marathon using these same principles that we put in these plans. Uh go to lindseyhine.com to check them out. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of the show. How do you handle that as someone who did go far in your sport, like watching your own kids pursue things? Oh,
1: we actually, uh, my husband and I actually laugh at some of the things that we did because because of that. Like, Yeah. Um, so my husband actually played volleyball also at Long Beach State, okay. um, won a national championship with them in 1991. Again, we're the 19s. but uh-huh. um, So we both were like sports people. We watched sports and all this stuff. And one of the big kind of moments that we laugh about, I don't think it's funny, like my son (laughs) probably doesn't think it's funny, but 2020, um, he, uh, all the baseball, little league baseball stuff was canceled. And so they were doing his makeup season. Uh, okay. I think it was in June of 2020 is when we kind of started to go go back out and we live in Arizona. So June outside doing baseball and he's a catcher with all that stuff is not so hot amazing like march fine but um anyway so he said remembers this distinctly sitting fully dressed in his uh baseball outfit on the chair and just like slouched over and like close to tears and he's like i don't want to go and my husband and i are like uh like (laughs) what the heck so my husband goes into the hole what do you think what do you think he, he might have said to my son oh like we already paid for this you have to go what else? Like, like that's the commitment we made, right? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. you made a commitment. You got to follow exactly. through. Like you yeah. got to like make sure your teammates are all, you know, all the, uh-huh. the stuff we say. Cause we, it's, it's what right. we say. right? And so, but that was actually one of the big moments that we were like, I actually pulled my husband aside. I might not have pulled him aside. I might have just said something right there, but, um, yeah. was something like, look, he knows himself. Like he doesn't want to do this. Yeah. And if he does, There will be another season after 2020 when everything's back and we'll try it again. And lo and behold, he did not want to go back to baseball. We were done with baseball. Uh, My husband and I were very sad because Little League is very fun. It is fun. (laughs) The parents are fun. The sitting in the chair is fun. The sunflower seeds is fun. All Uh of it. Uh Um, And so anyway, um, that's kind of like, I don't think before that we might have handled it well. I think Mm -hmm. it, it came to that moment. Um, that we had this kind of look at each other and go, what are we doing? Like, he's literally about to cry. Why would we send somebody out to do something when he's clearly does not want to go? Um, and, and that like,
0: cause it's some, like, we do have to teach them. Like we're yeah. going to follow through with things we commit to, to an extent. Like, mm-hmm. is it just like a gut feeling? It you was a risk. Mean? It yeah. was a
1: risk to be honest. I, we were like, what have we done?
0: Right. He's like, going to te- be a deadbeat. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, what is, ha- like, we have blown it. But then he went all in on soccer. Yeah. And then he quit soccer. And we uh. allowed allowed him to quit soccer. And it yeah. was like, we were just kind of like, well, I guess now you can go do your hobby, which was mountain biking, he had been doing. And now you get to go hang out with dad and mountain bike. Cause it was a great hobby. <laughs> it's a great hobby. Now he actually competes in this stuff. So, yeah. Um, But I think it was a risk because, again, you don't know. You have no idea. But at least in our home, we'd always said, like, well, you're not going to sit around and play video games. Like, you're not going to just sit around and do nothing. And not that video games are terrible, but we at least knew in our home that we were going to do something, even if he was going to leave, like, organized traditional
0: sports. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, for sure. I I had the issue the other day with one of my kids for swimming. He's six, and... I don't know why he didn't want to go to practice, but we were all at the pool and he just refused. I mean, like I stood there with him, I chased him around, and I was like, "I'm not doing this anymore." Like I'm <laughs> like I can't. And this is why he didn't join the team last year because I could never get him to go. And this year he's joined and he's gone most of the time, but this one day he just like wouldn't do it. And after about 15 minutes, I was like, "Well, I'm like sweating bullets. I feel like I'm going crazy." I'm jumping in the pool and playing with my other kids and he can pout if he wants, but I'm not letting this like ruin the rest of the morning, you know? Yeah. But I don't know what that teaches them. Like, I don't, I I mean, I still like, did I give up? I don't know, but I didn't make him go and there weren't real consequences, but we just moved on. (laughs) Yeah. And
1: I think sometimes that too, it's like, okay, you know, maybe you treated it like that. Okay. It's not that big of a deal. I'm just gonna do what I'm gonna do, and then mm. you know, here we are, right? Yeah. Because again, I don't, I don't think there, there definitely are ways to do things, and being noticers of our kids, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like for a, my husband, his name is Rich. Uh, my husband and I, we, we that was a big risk. Again, two sports. Yeah. We're just like, okay, now what? Yeah. Um, and because we were such a such uh, a sports family, yeah. it just was a weird place for us to be in. Like, what do you mean we're not gonna do this? And and it's interesting because it's allowed us to you know, hear our daughter's voice. What is she into? What does she want to do? Um and she's been able to tell us. And I think that's that's cool. Because now we can guide and direct her into the path, which is really what coaching is. You know, when you when you watch your athletes, if you're you know anybody you're coaching, coaching is really guiding them with what they have currently and trying to push them kind of along that road and and getting them to be better performers in that space. So As a coach myself, I was always willing to say, okay, there are tactics, there are things to be teaching, but my goal as a coach slash parent is to pull out of them what is already in there.
0: Yeah. How do you, without planting um, like information or your own hopes and dreams in your kids, how do you guide them to explore and learn what even it is they want to do?
1: Yeah. Well, part of it is listening to them. And the other part is, um, what happened on, I want to say it was, I don't know, Saturday morning. We had driven to, uh, Moab on the Fine. way to Colorado. And I, last time we would did this exact same trek. Uh, we went to Arches National Park and we didn't hike Arches cause it was too late. Mm. And so I was bummed, and I had just gone to – I just talked to a a coach about it, and she's like, oh, you have to hike arches. You have to go up there. Um, Well, we didn't have a pass. You can't get into national parks without a pass or uh, a a time slot. So without a reservation, you have to go before. Mm. So that's me saying we're waking up at 5 tomorrow. We're going to all go hike arches. Uh, Nobody wants to hike arches. And I'm like, we're all hiking arches, period. Yeah. (laughs) And – so my daughter was not in the mood for that. Uh, Five thirty in the morning came very early for her. Yeah, teenage and, girl. <laughs> yeah, and she just was like s- slow. My son was up, thankfully, and then my husband was like, "Well, we're doing this with mom, like, if because because mom really wants to do this." Yeah. Anyway, uh, we hiked Arches before anybody was in the park, and it was wonderful. I mean, there was a bunch mm. of people in there, but like before the reservation people got in there, like um, you know, because then it gets packed, and then the arches are like everyone's up there. Um, So we had a a nice little sweet moment. So I think when you go back to like your question, it's like, sometimes you just tell them this is what we're doing. I'm still in charge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not terrible and we finished it. And for the most part in something like that, when they trust their mom and dad, or if you're an athlete and you trust your coach, the outcome is always like, wow, that was really cool. Mm. Like my daughter didn't love it, but we had a good time and we talked And we chatted on the way down. She had blisters on her feet. So we both took our shoes off and hiked down Arches barefoot. And I I mean,
0: you know, sometimes you just just do it. So, okay. Tell us about your journal that you made for kids.
1: Yes. Uh, So that 30-day journal uh, came about um, with a buddy I went to grad school with. And we had been talking about putting some things together for athletes. Um, So I did it really quickly and then it's actually had like three or four different iterations um in 2020 when everybody was looking for something to do um that little journal really became something and I started calling uh, club coaches and um anybody who would listen and said hey I have this journal do you have any athletes who'd be interested in mindset or mental work as since we can't practice together right now and uh that's just basically what had happened. Um, in the last three years, I have used the journal with division one, uh, collegiate programs, NAIA programs. I've met with multiple, um, professional athletes and, um, coaching staffs, just a lot of different people, um, from volleyball to, uh, could be baseball. I think I've done baseball, uh, wrestling, Uh, men's wrestling, men's swimming and diving, women's basketball, just a ton, and have just loved the process of it. So it's four weeks of journaling prompts. Uh, Week one talks about mindset, like what is their personal mindset? How do you prepare for your competition and how do you prepare for um, your your event? And then the second week is um, communication, talking about um, communication, how we communicate to ourselves, like self-talk, and how do we communicate to our teammates? That kind of thing. How do we communicate with our coaches? Uh, goal setting. Actually, those are flip-flops. So goal setting is week two. Um, I love James Clear Atomic Habits. Mm. It's kind of my whole, whole goal okay. setting systems kind of thing that I love. Uh, building habits. So the journal is actually a habit they're building. Um, one of the big pieces of the journal is they're not going to be consistent like they'll miss days. And so mm-hmm. for me, with a team and a coach, that's a place to process, hey, what got in the way of you finishing your journal? So instead of saying, you didn't do your journal today? Okay, everybody on the line, you know, whatever. It's like, hey, what got in the way? Then you start to draw these amazing things like, well, um, I'm too busy. And then mm-hmm. I say, okay, let's look at your, let's scroll over, see how much screen time you have. Oh, I have eight hours on there or five hours. Oh, okay, well, maybe you can carve out 10 minutes. This is really important or hey, my family is moving, or hey, my family's going through this, like all this cool stuff. Um, so anyway, back to what it is. So um, mindset, goal setting, communication And the fourth week is on taking ownership, mm. ownership of their values. What are your values um, as an athlete? Um, ownership of their training and of their practice uh, and competition. So those are the four weeks. Um, like I said, it's been it's been really cool to watch it kind of become something because, in the beginning, I'm like, Ah, like, what did I do? I wrote this? Why don't people just do it? Yeah, um but it it's now an actual system for coaches to have um, language for some of these things that kids are thinking about. um in the very back, it's got all the criteria for clinical clinical criteria for anxiety and depression. So um, I've had athletes come up to me and say, I think I'm depressed, I have depression, mm-hmm. and my family has a history of depression. Um, so it's allowed conversations like that to happen, um, which I think is so needed. Yes, I love sports psychology, but um, you know, I think ultimately our, our kids are so different now. They have so many more stimulus that's coming at them. They have so much more information, and, you know, anxiety and depression are, are part of what we have going on you know, not everybody, but some. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, when we were growing up in sports, like we didn't have the, I mean, it kind of goes back to like this constant stream of information and the social media that adults and kids have today. Um, Do you talk about that at all?
1: Yeah. um, I love, so I do, I've done a bunch of like 15s, 14s, like volleyball teams, indoor volleyball. And we'll go over this one little section in there when we're talking about, I think, communication or goal setting. And we talk about goals versus expectations. Mm. Um, we talk about what are, some, what are goals, where do they come from, and then expectations, which are typically external. And we can kind of take mm-hmm. expectations sometimes and bring them in. Like when I ask the girls, what are the expectations on you? And These are 14-year-olds. These are and they'll say things like, um, well, I have to make all A's. Um, and I have to be the best volleyball player and I have to be pretty and I have to dress cute and I have to have a, gu- a cute boyfriend and I have to be popular. I mean, at 14, That's these so girls, sad. the expectation from the outside is so strong. Well, no wonder you can't make a serve over at game point. Like, You're my goodness. are thinking about all these
0: other things you need to be too.
1: And they don't know they're thinking about them until we like draw them out and, and we talk about how, you know, the expectation isn't necessarily true. And maybe no one's even said that to you, but if you're scrolling social media, if you're looking at what everybody else is doing, well, then that becomes a standard for you instead of like, you know, what am I about? What do I care about? You know?
0: I just hope that I want to be a part of this generation of parents that just says no to social media. Mm -hmm. And it's really challenging because unless, I mean, we can all continue to say no, some of us. Um... But it's going to continue to be like this pressure on the kids to do it if all these other parents don't band together and do it together. And I've talked to lots of psychologists about that. And um, one of my favorites, um, Tessa, she says, or Tess, she says like 16 is the youngest she would let any of her kids get on social media just because of the brain development. It's still not fully there, obviously, but like it's a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have all boys, and I do think that the the temptation for that is way less with them. They just aren't as going to be as interested in getting an Instagram account. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, well, that's my son.
1: We didn't we didn't give our kids phones until freshman year.
0: Okay, I mean, I'm so, I'm on that path. Hopefully,
1: yeah. And it was, a, for me, probably worse. Like he didn't care,
0: and About we getting even. It
1: it didn't get and then we had like even like family members be like you're going to be the weird kid who doesn't have a phone i was like oh well he's going to be the weird kid like we're all going to be weird fine by um, me but the hard part for me was he would ride his bike to school in 6th yep. grade yeah and i didn't know if he was there yeah unless i would get a call from cuz they don't call you unless, unless the kid they is don't late not show up oh, yeah. for like 10 minutes so by then he would have already been like yeah. right like whatever so um so for me it was like managing that you know, um, eventually I think he ended up getting a phone at the very tail end of eighth grade, like, and then like summer. Yeah. Um, And then he just, I would say he turned 15 and I would say within the last month. So he, he's like 15 and a half. Then he has social media and it's private and he just does his like biking stuff on there. Yeah. Um, And
0: that's fun. Like I would want to do that. I try to, I also try to put myself in my kid's position at that age. I'm like, oh my gosh, if I was a little girl, I'd want to do TikTok dances. Like I, I loved cheerleading and all that stuff. Like I would love to do all that. So I try to like see it as this like innocent thing. It's just them doing their dances and stuff. That's not the problem. It's the yeah. constant stream that they're seeing.
1: Yeah. And the sharing of it and the per- the purpose behind what? it. Yeah. What is
0: going on in your heart, and your head that makes you feel like you want to share this? Yes. Or are you just having fun learning this dance um you know all my kids ride their bikes to school too but they they go in a big pack mm-hmm. like it's like well my youngest isn't doing it yet but my three big ones and then a bunch of neighbor kids so like I never worry about that and I think that I have an advantage because all my kids are they're together so that you mm-hmm. feel like safety in numbers right yeah um But I had my niece and nephew in town for the whole week last week and my niece is 12. She's going to be 13 in September and she has a phone and, you know, I was kind of observing, you know, I'm like, maybe she's on it more because she's here and I didn't want to be like, try to, you know, be the annoying aunt that's like, hey, get off your phone. She's probably bored because she's here with all these boys. Um, But I dropped her and my son off. People are probably going to say I shouldn't have done this, but it's fine at the mall. um, And they walked around and I will say. There was this like comfort in knowing, well, if they need anything, they can call. She has her cell phone at the same time. I was like, I will pick you guys up at Starbucks at noon. And I was thinking and I was like, but you can call me if you want me to come early. So they did call me. I got them at 1130. But so I was kind of thinking, I feel like it would have served them well to have had to just wait and like me pick them up at noon and not be able to call to get like picked up early because they were bored or whatever it is. Um, that being said, there's not pay phones anymore. And so like yeah. if we were at the mall and we really needed something, we would get a quarter and call our parents. So yeah, I, I struggle with that because there's this la- there's this loss of independence when they can just call mom at any time they need to call mom.
1: Yeah. It, and my daughter just did her first um, overnight camp, uh, volleyball camp. And we have a phone because I'm like, well, I'm going to send her with an alarm clock. Like, yeah. what in the world? <laughs> right. So right, she has a phone and I taught her how to like set the alarms. I'm like, don't do not do snooze because you'll never wake up. Like just, you know. So even some of that where I'm like, man, you're right. Like the some of the loss of independence, but at the same time, like you know, she texted me at night, which was lovely. I'm thankful that like, text me when you get back to your room. Cause like I leave, I was coaching the same camp. So we would leave after meals and I'm like, okay, she good. Like, yeah. (laughs) so I, I hear you on that where there is a comfort for me as a parent. Um, but then you do see, although I'll say this, my son at 15 has hopped on many a ski lift at these mountain, uh, to do mountain biking sat with people he doesn't know, yeah. ridden down with people he doesn't know, fixed a tire up on the hill. I like, love it. There are some things that it's like, okay, they're going to be fine. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, okay, he, so he, he, I, he can call me and I can pick him up. Okay, what's the worst of that? But yeah, he can also like survive a mountain on a bike. I don't
0: (laughs) For sure. Well, we have all these neighbor kids always at our house and they'll be like talking to their mom on their watches and all the things. And I'm like, you know what? You guys are like a quarter mile from me. If you need me, instead of like calling me all the time, get on your bike, come home, ask me what you need and then ride your bike back. (laughs) You know, yeah, like, um, but then again, yeah, I mean, I see, I definitely see both sides of it. Um, I've gotten off track with us though, because I'm like, I always get obsessed with this, like this conversation around phones and social media and when you do it and when you don't. And um, I guess the the end answer is like, it's just individualized. It just matters on the family, where you live, what you're involved in, how many kids you have, all the things. There's I think no so. right or wrong. Yeah. And what's been cool is that we've
1: had like people, uh, family, friends of ours, and moms that I've been friends with for a long time who have waited just like us. So it's not like we don't look like the weirdo families. Like there's a yeah. bunch of us. And the more information that's coming out, the more – I think people are like willing to wait, you know, yeah. oh, for, for sure. all of it, phone, social media, everything. So,
0: yeah. I think yeah. we're the lucky ones. I think the parents that were like 15 years ahead of us, like really got, I don't know, screwed is the right word. <laughs> like with yeah. like, the just like the not knowing the long-term effects of all this. Yeah. Okay. So earlier you were talking about, um, you know, the expectations these these kids have that are external that aren't necessarily Even put on them, but like they put it on themselves because they think all these things. And you mentioned grades, and I wonder, it is so hard to get into college these days. And I'm never gonna be the mom that is like hardcore on grades because I was really bad in school, no matter how hard I tried. And I just like nothing that wouldn't have helped me. Uh, My husband's a little bit on the other end of that spectrum, like he was good at school, he has higher expectations for grades. But I'm curious, coming from your psychology background, like what do you think is a healthy amount of pressure? I don't even know if pressure is the right word, but just like expectation to put on your kids with their grades. Yeah, I
1: think that's such a tough question. I think it really so much depends on, first of all, like resources in the home. Um, you know, not every kid has the luxury of having two co- college educated parents or even high school educated parents, um, you know, we get a range. If you coach youth sports, you just get a range of kid, you see Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, and so I think in terms of pressuring them for that, for us in our home, what has worked is just that they're putting the best effort Mm -hmm. forward. I, my, my daughter is, um, likes to get things done quickly. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes it is not the best effort. It is just done fast. And I'll, I'll just say something simple, like, um, that, that you can't turn that in. (laughs) Like, I know there's better, like, let's try again. You never want to turn in your first draft, you know, um, just like in, in writing, you don't want to turn in that first one. You kind of want to look at it again. So there's sort of that, but you know, um, like I was a terrible test taker. Mm -hmm. I, I think I could do, I knew what I wanted to say, but in terms of test taking, um, multiple choice was just hard. There was just things that were difficult for me. I would, I would rather write a 10 page essay on the answer than answer a multiple choice question. It was just hard. Mm -hmm. And so I see some of that in my kids and I I definitely have some grace where it's like, Hey, if you know the information, awesome. If you can't get it out on a test, we'll figure that out. You know? So that's kind of what has worked for us. And they honestly, they do great.
0: Mm.
1: My kids do great. So it hasn't ever been uh, something where it's like, we're, um pulling too much out of them or putting too much pressure to to do whatever. Yeah. Um it's tough.
0: And I think it's societal pressure too like to get into these these schools and um I have four kids and I think like okay, what are the odds that all four of my kids are even going to go to college and that's okay. Um and so also figuring out like each kid as we talked about earlier like um, receives in different ways and learns in different ways and, um, reacts to the way I parent in different ways. So, I mean, it's just like a constant, it's a constant learning experience Mm -hmm. with each one.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, and it's so strange because I think about like when you went to school, like how much it's all changed. I mean, the fact that our kids can do school online, um, when I'm coaching, when I've coached college, so much of their work is in these modules and they take all their tests and just submit. And I'm like, you know, so, so part of that is my experience isn't, it's relevant, mm-hmm. but it's not the same as what they're going to totally. experience. And even getting jobs now is different versus needing that for year degree. Some people totally. can get these amazing certifications and just go into whatever, you know, and so it is tough because I think it's all changing as we're parenting and we're having to learn like brand new, you know, systems for all this. Yeah. And it's funny because my my son was like, "Hey, mom, is there like a, is there like an easy college to get into?" I'm like, "Yes, there are. <laughs> can you can know? go that route if you really if want to." If that's the route, you know, like get you know to to learn some of those things, get some independence, go do that stuff. You know, um, I you know, I'm not I'm not like obsessed with you know where they go. Totally. Um, so.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay. So back to the um coaching and the sports journal. I am actually about to do a series on my running podcast with high school coaches. So this is really great timing. Um, I did a series with collegiate and also um, professional coaches. I've done two series with them. And I'm like, I really want to talk to some high school coaches. And so I'm super curious. And it's a really broad question. But what makes a good high school coach?
1: Oh, High school, coaching high school was probably one of my favorite places to coach. Mm. Um, I think you're dealing with so many different kinds of kids, again, so many different backgrounds um, that you can really be an influence in these kids' life. I think you said something about that earlier. Um, if you've ever heard of, uh, uh, what is it called? The Way of Champions podcast. They, Jerry Lynch says something like, your, oh. your influence is never neutral as a coach. Mm. So whether you are a great coach or not, you're having an influence on these kids. Um, which I think is super cool. And I took it very seriously. Like, wow, like we get to steward these kids lives for two hours. Some high school coaches are also teachers. So they get mm-hmm. to see them in the classroom and they get to see them on the the field of play. Um, and then one thing that's really special about high school is just the student body and you represent your whole high school. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of are like that in college as well, but it's just so different in high school. Like, um, you just have school spirit, you have pep rallies, you have assemblies like it's just a i think it's a really unique space. And so, I think what makes a good high school coach would be just someone who's who's aware of all the the cool things that are happening in these kids' lives. They're looking for again, if we go back to developmental psychology, high schoolers are looking for belonging. Mm-hmm. And if we can help that child feel like they belong and then, you know, push them along in their sport, I think that's huge.
0: Yeah, I cross country for me in high school. I just, I feel like maybe other people feel this with their sports, but there was something so special about that belonging. It didn't matter how fast you were. It didn't matter if you were on varsity. There was just this like unique connection we all had because we were all just doing the same thing and it didn't matter what place we were in.
1: Yeah. And actually working with the runners last summer, um, uh, that's, that's a really cool thing about the running community. Yeah. So different than I think, like, um, I think Jenny from Thousand Hours Outside called it ball sports or sports oh, yeah. ball or something. Yeah, ball sports, um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so different from that, which I think is super cool. And again, there's this, like, camaraderie of, like, um, doesn't matter what position you're in or where you're finishing. Everybody, they want everyone to finish. Mm-hmm. Like, like everyone get across that finish line, which is super cool. I love that. Wh-
0: what age range do you start talking to kids about, well, I guess you can always talk about mindset, but like, when does it become crucial? And like, you know, like when my kids are swimming and I'm like, "Mm, they're pretty fast. Like, how do I like teach them? Okay. That last, you know, quarter of the 25 that you're racing, cause they're young, they don't race, race, very far. Like that's when you really have to like get in your mind and be physically or like mentally tough to like not give up. Like when, and how do we talk to our kids about that kind of stuff without seeming, seeming like overly aggressive?
1: Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think we're kind of always doing it. I think it's part of our parenting. We're kind of always nudging them, mm. um, to, to think a certain way about an experience, uh, think a certain way about what they're about to do. Hey, do you have all your things? Some of that's mindset. Do you have your water bottle? Do you, Are you prepared? Um, even just preparation in in terms of like packing their bag, right? That's mindset because mm. then, then you don't have to worry about getting there. And like, I mean, we've had girls like forget their uniform. That changes everything. You get to the field of play or the pool deck or whatever and you've forgotten something. Mm. You know, preparation is mindset. So I think we're kind of always doing it. I'd say um, – Kind of late middle school, you can begin kind of like uh, introducing more um, complex like, um, you know, tools and resources, things like breathing, Mm. uh, visualization, some of those things. And then I really think uh, junior year when those kids are like really looking at, you know, competing well if they want to go to college on a scholarship or something of that nature, then you can really start working on what is your self-talk? What do you tell yourself before a race? Um, you know, and they're already, ha- they have already been doing all of this up to that point, but this is where you really kind of give them that edge. Mm. Um, because what ha- what they've done has worked. It's really in those upper levels of sport that it, it, your, your physicality and your talent start to level out. Everybody's good. By the time someone gets to this junior year in high school, like everybody's about as good as you or better. And it only keeps getting that way. Yeah. People just are just going to keep getting, being better. So it's that, it's that mental edge that I like to introduce kind of later in high school, but all along we're, we're kind of training up, especially in sport. Um, My son with mountain biking, goodness, I, I, that's sometimes at this point, um, he'll be a sophomore next year is, is what are you thinking? And then just like, let him. Do that. I try not to direct too much of it.
0: I love that you said that they're already doing it. Like mm-hmm. they, they have a brain. Like they're already, they're already doing these things. Like my son is already on the starting blocks of this twenty-five meter freestyle race. Like he's already doing these things. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's thinking, but I love the thought of asking. Yep. Um, and then you know, a common theme too with these professional runners I interview is the ones that are succeeding. They are saying. I am still having so much fun Mm -hmm. and that is huge. And it all starts with having fun, right? When they're five and they're playing soccer, like they're doing it because they're having fun. So like when it gets more serious, you know, someone like you who goes and plays in college and plays pro, like it gets serious. It has to get serious at some point. If that's where you're going, like how do we balance that like seriousness with, Hey, if this isn't fun anymore, like what's it doing to your mental health?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think fun can be different for everybody. Mm -hmm. So fun for me was like, looked very intense and looked very much like, wow, are you angry? Like, wow, (laughs) are you, what is happening? But that was so fun to me to be in the middle of that competition, to Uh feel that, to almost have tiny bit of anger playing like, (laughs) oh, like this you know, aggression that you, you can't have in real life really. You know, you can't act that way anywhere else. Um, (laughs) and so fun for me is that, and some people, um, watching them, I've had players that I've watched that are like joyful when they play, like they are literally this like spark plug and they're so fun and they share that energy with other people and they have that. So fun, I think is, is absolutely a key. Um, I, with the journal, there's an exercise in there that talks about their why, Mm -hmm. why do you play? And, and everybody's why is because it's fun, because I love it. And that's the very first one. There's a lot of other whys in there. But um, I think the ones who continue on and keep doing it, do it because whatever is fun for them, it's there. It's present. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I think that just reminding them, like, hey, this, you know, or watching them play and saying that, wow, you look like you're having a lot of fun out there, reminding them to have fun. Some of them don't want to. Some of them do (laughs) not want. Like, you'll be like, go have fun. They're like, oh. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but uh, you know what though that's such a good point I don't I never really thought of it that way that fun and, and now that I'm regurgitating it I'm like why didn't you ever think about it that way but fun for different people it looks different mm-hmm. like that seriousness on some kids faces like that is their fun and I never I never really thought about it like that um that's that's wonderful okay so we have to wrap up here this yes. has been really fun though yeah uh, I told you we would go over <laughs> Oh yeah, oh we I, did. <laughs> I knew it. Um, so I always wrap up with end of podcast questions here. And then um, I do want to tell everybody the 30 day champions journal. You also have a return to play journal, which um, as someone who's just coming back from surgery myself, I'm like, oh, like this is, this would be great for kids. I mean, I remember in cross country in high school, the kids that were running in the pool because they had stress fractures and things like that. There's a lot of mental um, struggles that go into that. So both of these books, where can people get them?
1: Uh, they're both for individually on Amazon. So okay. you would just look for either one on Amazon. And then, um, if anybody, um, high school teams, college teams wants to order them in bulk would be my website, which is, uh, spike S P I K E D R.com.
0: Okay. Awesome. And we'll link to that in the show show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. What is something professionally or personally you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Uh, I would like to write a book. Book, book. A book, (laughs) not a journal book. Yes. A book, book. Yeah. On sports, like mental game? Uh,
1: I don't know. I think that's why I keep stalling and that's not an excuse. Anybody who's a writer says that's not an excuse, but I'm not quite sure yet. So I probably just need to just get pen to paper, which I do every day anyway. I write all the time, but I just need to get it all together. So,
0: yeah. I know. That's what they say. They just start writing. Just start. (laughs) Um, Do you have a best, most recent book you recommend?
1: Yes. uh, It is called Flying in the Face of Fear. Ooh. Um, uh, Something Casey Crawford. I want to say, um, shoot, I'm going to get her name all wrong. But anyway, she's a fighter pilot um, and she wrote this entire book on just, it, it's so cool. She had this uh, experience in, I'm going to get everything wrong, but Afghanistan, um, had to do like an emergency landing by herself. Wow. And just her mindset through that. And I'm always like, oh, I'm afraid of this. And then I think of like, wow, that's really fear. Like it, it, almost having to land, either having to land um, or parachute out into enemy territory or land safely. But sort of emergency land without the right equipment. Um, so anyway, yeah, that book was phenomenal, and I'm, I'm so sorry I messed up all the names. But I know it's Casey, and her and her call sign was Casey because it's called Killer Chick. That was her call sign. So anyway, nice, um, fantastic book.
0: Awesome. Do you have a kids' book you recommend?
1: I always recommend this book to kids and adults. It's called um, Hope for the Flowers. Okay. By Trina
0: Paulus. Okay. Yeah. Nice. What about a trip you have taken with your family that you recommend? Um, The hike that you mentioned. The the Moab hike. Yes.
1: Yes. (laughs) Uh, No, Keystone. We came up here last year and we loved it so much. We came back. Um, It's beautiful. You have everything. Yeah. Keystone cars,
0: mountains, everything. Okay. Um, And then what is your last message to leave with our audience today? Um, I would say, like, for parents or
1: for anybody. Anybody listening? Anybody listening. I just say be a good noticer of people. Um, Be a good noticer. See what's going on. Ask questions. um, Don't assume things. I Mm. think that's – I'm still working on all of that, but I hope that I can can continue to do that. I think when we notice what people are going through or we notice things that they're doing and we celebrate that, I think that is just magic. (laughs)
0: Thank you so much. Yeah. You're welcome. All right, everybody, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Priscilla, for coming on the show. You can learn more about Priscilla and all that she is doing at spikedr.com. You can connect with me on Instagram, lindsayhind 626 or our website, sandyboyproductions.com. And for sure, shoot me an email if you ever wanna touch base, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. I really appreciate you being here. And oh, by the way, we are doing a high school coaching series which is one of the reasons why I thought this episode made so much sense to put in right here uh, because this can lead us into our high school coaching series that'll be supported by VDOT. I can't wait to share more about that. Uh, Have a great rest of your day and we will see you next week.